Welcome to Open-Minded Healing, where the topic is alternative health. We will be having conversations with the practitioners that offer a variety of alternative healing modalities, as well as everyday people who have recovered their health outside of the MD's office. Join us with an open mind for conversations that may provide solutions to healing your own body on a mental, physical, and spiritual level. I'm Marla Miller. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone. Today, I have a special guest from Ireland here with us. Her name is Lisa Tully, and she has a really unique gift of communicating with animals. But in addition to that, she is able to work with your animal to help heal you, the owner. Such a fascinating topic, and I can't wait to learn all about this. Lisa, hello. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much, Marla. I'm very happy to be here. I'm so excited. I know there are a lot of animal lovers out there. And I want to ask, I guess, first, do you work just with dogs or all animals? I work with all animals. Okay. We're going to get into how through the animal, you can figure out how to help the person, but it's really the animal's input. Maybe you can explain that process briefly. And then I want to start backwards, like how you even came to be able to communicate with animals and then go from there. So there's two ways that it tends to happen. The first way is when people have something that they've contacted me about in order to help their animal. So if their animal is sick mentally, emotionally, physically, or indeed spiritually. And what happens then is when I'm working with the animal, I will identify, say, for example, the dog has cancer and usually cancer in the body can represent grief, long-standing grief. And when I break it apart like that and I share back to the person then, okay, I feel the, this emotional pattern exists in your dog. You know, did anything happen? And when I share the emotional pattern, they'll go, oh my God, that's me. Right. So what happens then is they've identified within themselves something that is called mirroring. When the animal mirrors back to the person their own problems. So that's one way that it can come true. So then when I'm treating the animal, I'm actually treating the person as well. They'll share botanicals or the animal will pick botanicals specifically for them. The second way that I end up working with people is I also have a standalone reading that I call Your Animal Healing You. And this is when people contact me directly for themselves. And we just dive straight in there with the animal. And so it's nothing to do with the animal story at all. But I work with the animal and they'll select flower essences or mineral essences or animal essences for their person. And what happens then is the essences they've selected tells a story. And that's the story that becomes the litmus test. It tells an emotional story, an emotional history or emotional snapshot picture of where the person is now. And when I share that back to the person, they go, oh, my God, how did you know that? Because I haven't asked the person anything about their story. And that's an, a second way that the animals work to heal the people. That's so interesting. It makes me think of, we had a golden retriever that died of cancer and it now it's making sense to me in the way that you're putting this. And also it seems like a lot of golden retrievers get cancer 
And it makes me wonder if it's because they are such a compassionate breed. They always seem to, you know, know when you're not feeling well or whatever. I mean, a lot of dogs do that, I think, but golden retrievers in particular seem to really want to be there for every member of the family. And I could see how they absorb the grief or the emotional state of their owner. Yeah. Like a sponge. Yeah. So interesting. So let's go back to how you even learn to communicate with the animals first, and then we'll dive deeper into this healing path and how it happens. So when I was uh, living in London, I came across some really amazing spiritual teachers. It's that kind of a city. Everybody, Anything you want is in that city. And that was when I really started to get a serious, serious practice going on. And that led me to spend a significant amount of time then in India studying meditation, practicing meditation. And I genuinely feel that learning that skill to just really go into your heart space and let your life be led by the heart instead of the mind. It actually woke up something in me that I didn't even know was there. And it was one of my teachers said to me one day, she said, you know, Lisa, I, I, I've discovered this amazing area of expertise with animals. It's called animal communication. I was just like, what? And so what I did was I got a book on it. And just by reading the book, boom, I was able to do it. So it's almost like the skill had been there, but it had just been waiting for me to catch up with it. And as a young child, I'd always had a huge affiliation to animals. I'd bring home sick pigeons, sick seagulls, <laughs> you know, <Aww. laughs> you know, that's the way I was like, so the journey led me then as a young girl, when I actually worked in a veterinary practice then for two years. And I was, it, I, I was kind of a bit, hmm, is this really how I want to help animals? So I'm glad I didn't go down that route. I'm glad I went down the spiritual route, which is what led me into recognizing my ability to do this work. Wow. So you read the book and you were probably already open through all the meditation in India. And so you're able to absorb it very easily. So how did you begin your practice? So what I did then was I did a practitioner qualification with a lady called Madeline Walker in the UK. So I worked with Madeline for about a year and a half and I really honed my skills in the different areas of working with animal communication, working with clients, helping animals in different ways. And that was just the beginning. You know, it's always you, you, when, you, when you think you've learned something, then you have to really master it. And when I started working with it professionally, then the animals just taught me different stages as we went along. You know, suddenly you get a load of animals that want to teach you this area and then a load of animals that want to teach you that. So it just started to really gain momentum over the years. So did you start up helping animals and then it kind of turned into, you realize, oh, I can help humans through the animals. Yeah, <laughs> it was the animals who did it. Yeah, because I started working with just animals, I thought. But then what I found was, I, I think as your skill gets to a certain level, the universe kind of throws you new challenges. So I was working with the animals, but then I got to a certain point where my results weren't as effective anymore. And I was thinking, hmm, why isn't that? And then I started to realize that I needed to include the person more in healing the animal because I was getting tougher cases. 
And what I found was that if I didn't do that, if I didn't heal the environment the animal was in, i.e. the person, they couldn't heal. So it was almost like the animal nation upgraded me, <laughs> you know, at the time that they needed me to upgrade or and when they felt that I was ready. Well, we always knew dogs and animals were so intelligent. Now this proves it. <laughs> Absolutely. So can you give some examples of humans that came to you, whether it was for their animal initially, and then you ended up helping them, or if they came right from the start? wanting to heal themselves. So there's an interesting uh, case that I was working on recently where this lady, she has this dog who's like a senior dog now, and they would go to the beach every morning to go swimming. And there'd be a whole kind of community that would do the sea swims. There's a lot of that here on the coast of Ireland. And what would happen is recently, you know, over a period of months, the dog was usually quite a friendly, happy-go-lucky dog, but she'd started to get a bit growly. And it was a very specific case because she'd only get growly if she was sitting on her guardian's towel whilst her guardian went into the water to swim. And she'd be a bit growly at people or dogs that came near that space. So I was asked to explore it. So this is the one where we're looking at the problem from the dog's perspective initially. And when I tuned in with the dog, the dog was saying to me, oh, look, she said, things aren't OK here in the house. Um, there is a bit of a discussions that go on, a bit of arguments that go on about what belongs to who. So when I'm out of the house and then I'm sitting on the towel, I feel like I need to guard her space for her and protect it because of all this stuff going on at home. So I was thinking to myself, what's going on here? You know, so, so I shared that information with the person and that's when she opened up to me. She said that she'd go into a very uh, difficult separation from her partner and there's a bit of discussion going on about who owns what in the house, court cases, all this kind of stuff. So what happened then was the doggy selected botanicals for herself, but also botanicals to share with her person. So as they started to heal together, this particular lady was very spiritually minded, very open. So these are the people that usually will get the quickest results. And she flew through the process because the dog pretty much within about four weeks really, really reduced down the, the, the growling, the snarling. It was just little friendly, normal dog barks and dogs have to be dogs. And for her, she had been going so deep with the botanicals, she started taking three hour naps during the day to just really, really process it. And it, it, the drops even healed the second dog in the family. So now she's really had a real ability to just take in some help. Because when you're living in that way at home, when you're living with an estranged partner that's still in your house, it's stressful. So the dog was expressing something that got attention that got me in, that enabled the guardian to get help, even though she didn't quite think she even needed it or, you know, because you're caught up in the moment. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a way of empowering her in a very difficult situation to the dog. This is making me wish I had you around much earlier in my life. <laughs> you could have helped me through some things. So you said there was a second dog that was healed in the process. What do you mean by that? 
So the the other doggy is a, another senior doggy as well. So when I work with the botanicals, say I'm working with like diluted down essential oils, you hold the bottle in your hand and you let the dog sniff the diluted essential oil. Now I'm a qualified animal aromatherapist. You don't do this without the proper training. And so when I was offering the essential oils to the first doggy, the second doggy would come up and have a sniff and go into a real deep healing trance. And <laughs> the, the, the guardian, the guardian said to me just the other day, she goes, she's like a steeplechaser now. The dog, the second dog is full of energy. Like she was a bit stiff and creaky. Now yeah. she's just running around like road runner. <laughs> so you was know? she taking the flower essences or whatever you're giving the other dog and the human? Yeah, she joined they in. Were, oh, they were all doing it. Okay. Yeah, but they weren't officially for the second dog. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so funny. The dog didn't want to be left out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, but no, What? where it comes from, because I see this all the time, the animal that I'm brought in to heal is a bit like the healing acupuncture point of the entire family. So those botanicals not only heal the person, but they heal the other animals as well. That's amazing. Yeah. And how long does it usually take for this healing? Okay. Yeah. So it's hard to say. It's, it's If the animal, if it's a really serious case, if there's a serious illness there, it can take a long time or a serious emotional imbalance, or it can take longer because the person's not quite getting into the flow. You know, there there's a bit of resistance from them on an emotional level and you have to go more gently. You just have to be patient. And then you have the people that just go boom and they just they just run with it. And then you see the the animals are able to work through the process and the family works through the process much quicker. So you could see anything from what, a couple of weeks to a year or what is yeah. sort of that uh, time frame? I, oh, no, I, I'd say anything from a couple of months to up to a year, even more. So this would be using flower essences, essential oils, uh, maybe some hydrosol, some herbs. You don't have the animals on and the people on the same botanicals all the time because with essential oils, they're not for long term use. They're very powerful in their action. So they're just like a shorter time. But then to continue the healing process, you might use something more gentle than like flower essences or hydrosols. Or you might start with flower essences right away. Marla, it just really, it's everything I do is animal choice. So I don't know how the animal is going to decide to run the show until I work with them. And each, and I mean that with each follow up that I do, it's kind of like, okay, what's next? <laughs> and that's the magic in it, you know, because they know the situation better than any of us. So you're checking in with the animal what, every month during the process? I, yeah, every month, every six weeks around that time. We do little follow-ups, check-ins, tweak the botanicals. But then it depends on the person, you know, how long they want to go for. Or they might take a break, come back to me, even though the animal wants to maybe keep going. <laughs> we, <laughs> we trust the process. There's no, you know, no right or wrong. So the dog will sort of select what he needs for himself and then select what the human needs and they might be two different things they can be two different things or they can be the same again I'll, i just work it with each each day and see what each animal brings all right so if we could hear another example of someone that came in wanting to heal their dog or themselves um what is that process and then are you able to tell by the essences what the issue is oh yeah oh yeah yeah 
So I, I've got an amazing story actually that I'd like to share with you as well then is um, I was asked to help this dog called Ziggy and Ziggy had developed paralysis of the hind legs. Now he's a little shih tzu. He always kind of had a bit of a weakness in his lower back, but he was at the beach one day and he took a bit of an awkward fall and his back kind of went out a little bit, but this time it ended up becoming fu- fully paralyzed. So this was the first time it had gone that far. And the lady heard about me and she works with a vet that I work with, a holistic vet as well. So he said to her, look, surgery is two grand and he might get 90% use back from his legs. Or we can put him on box rest for six weeks with steroids and hope that he might get 70% recovery. So financially, two grand was not an option because she has a sing- she's a single mom. Uh, one of her children, the young girl, is in a wheelchair. Uh, the dog the week before had had a stroke, one of the other dogs. They have about 13 animals. So she had big vet bills. She couldn't pay the heating bill and the van had broken down. So I just said, OK, I'm just I'm coming in. And coming in. So I did, I did, I did, I drove about an hour and a half to her house because I just thought this story. And I worked with a dog to select botanicals. Like uh, this dog actually used botanicals in order to bring the function back into the use of the spine. So the dog used things like uh, cedar wood, uh, yarrow for the pain. The cedar wood is good for the spine. He used benzoin, which again is for the musculoskeletal system. So he was coming at himself from a real physical level. But then what he did was when he selected essences, now when I say uh, uh, flower essences, my essence mixes can contain up to eight different essences, right? And you, some of them I make myself, some of them are well-known ones, some of them my friends have made. So the particular mix, the particular story that this dog selected was all about empowering the person. Because the emotional story behind paralysis is an unwillingness to move forward in life, right? Makes sense. You're stuck. Something's not moving forward. And the doggy brought in the essences to help her work through fear, right? They were fear essences. Something was blocking her. So when I went to the house, I said to the lady, I said, okay, so these are, (laughs) this is a mix for you. And she's just like, don't worry. She goes, I love essences. I use them all the time. I'm going to do this. And I said, look, I think it's your fear around asking for help. I said, you're in this situation. You got to ask for help. You've hit a wall, right? And she does meditations for the whole community in her house every week. Like she gives, gives, gives. Right. It's time for her to take. Yeah. Um, so she took it on board. And meanwhile, Ziggy starts to work with his botanicals. And not only does he work with his botanicals, the cat does, the dog with the stroke does, like all these, right, all the animals in the house. So instead of having six weeks crate rest, he had two, right? He starts moving. He's too strong. She can't keep him in the crate. The dog with the stroke had the tilt on her head. The tilt straightens up. She starts to get a lot more energy from the botanicals that Ziggy chose. The traumatized cat that normally lives in the back room, in the utility room that was petrified of everybody, starts greeting strangers when they come into the house. But what happens then is the real magic with the person. The vet, about, say, eight weeks into the whole program, she brings the dog back to the the vets and he gets a 100% recovery rate. 
hundred percent. The vet, the vet is shocked. But the reason he did is because she took up the gauntlet. Because I said to her, you have no van now to bring your child around who's in a wheelchair. Will you do a crowdfund? Will you open up your vulnerability and let the world around you help you? So she sat with it. She's like, well, I'll do it, but it's Mercury retrograde. It's not quite the right time. I was like, uh-huh. I'll, I was like I'll leave it with you. Yeah, she's getting her mom to douse it. <laughs> Is it a good time? <laughs> so anyway, I just let it go. You know, you let you let it be. And then let's fast forward about another month. What does she do? She's on the front page of the local newspaper with her story about her daughter, about not having a van and how she's trying to crowdfund. She not only picked up the gauntlet, but she ran with it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. That is such a good point that a lot of physical ailments are where you're stuck emotionally. And also it's such a good point that sometimes the most difficult thing to do is to accept help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I felt mine was with the autoimmune when I got that diagnosis. I remember saying, what is the lesson here? Because I want to learn it fast and get over this. And I thought that maybe it was learning to ask for help because I had such a hard time doing that before that diagnosis. And once I decided to accept help, you know, I, I said, the next person that offers help, I'm just taking it. And I accepted the very next person that offered help. And then it just multiplied. Like you wouldn't believe like so many people offering help and I was open to it all. And it really helped propel my healing just to have that community around you and that love around you and support. Yeah. Well, good for you. You know, it's a super brave thing to do. And when the universe kind of slam dunks you like that, it's the universe's way I feel of shouting at you. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's like you wouldn't, I'm sure you wouldn't let it get as far next time having learned that lesson. Yeah. It opens up a lot of doors once you just allow people to come in through the door and help you. Well, that's an amazing story. So I just want to clarify. So with this particular situation, you have all these different animals and the woman. Was the dog sort of the doctor for all the other animals? Was was the dog choosing different essences for each of those animals? So this is the crazy thing, right? The dog only selected the botanicals for himself. He selected four different hydrazoles and that's all it was. Okay, And then he selected a bottle of essences, flower essences for the person. So those four were definitely for him. But this is the magic of the animal wisdom. They were still enough to heal the dog with the stroke and the cat with the extreme fearfulness. So they all took the same essence. Yeah, they all took the same the one. Yeah. <laughs> that is so great. <laughs> so how is the dog sharing with you which essences the owner should use? Okay, so what I do is I have a process that I have kind of whittled down for myself over the years. And there is one process I use where we make up, say, a bespoke mix, just a random mix of essences. And then the second one is where you select, say, three essences. This would be using the, the back range. And that the way the order the essences are selected in by the animal tells a very, very specific emotional journey, like it is on the wire. And 
what I do is I get my pendulum. So when I'm communicating with the animal, I say to the animal, do we do a bespoke mix or do we do the ABC back mix? And then we start to with, okay, so which ones do you want to put in? Boom, boom, boom. And then the real litmus test then is when I share what the essences are saying to the person. And then they go, I, I, Marla, I've never, ever had anyone say, oh, that's not me. <laughs> I've never yeah. had it. Like, cause, cause like, cause the animals are unconditional and they are absolutely tuned into our heart energy. So they just are wrapped around our heartstrings and they know our buttons and they push them gently and lovingly. At the worst, I've had people kind of go when I've identified a list of essences with the animal and what it works on. They might kind of go if they're a bit more resistant, they kind of go, oh, huh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just go, yeah, OK, do you want to you can have a think about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they, they always take them. <laughs> well, can you give an example of some emotional state maybe that these essences represent? that then you shared with the person and how that applied to them. So what I was doing yesterday is I was working on a dog who was selecting essences for his person. Now, this dog is the type of dog that doesn't do really well with change. So whenever there's a new dog brought into the house or then the baby came into the house, was born, all this kind of stuff really upsets the dog. And the dog needs one of those thunder coats that kind of squeezes the dog to help him feel safe and secure. It's a, a body wrap. And as I was doing the work with the animal, the dog was saying, but hang on a second. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, this isn't just for me. Yeah, and I'm not the only problem here. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the real inter- the real twist in this story is the dog always follows the mum around, okay, to feel secure and things like that. But the dog turns to me and says, so you think, well, maybe the dog wants to select drops for the mum because he's really close to the mum. But he's like, no, 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 it's for the dad. Because <laughs> uh-huh. he says, he goes, he's not good with change either. He finds it really hard to cope with change. And he follows her around for support, just like I do. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, okay, how am I going to deliver this message? (laughs) Gently. (laughs) Yeah. So how did he respond to that? Oh, that that guy is amazing. He's just like, oh, absolutely. And the mom was like, definitely, yeah. Oh, well, that's good. They were on yeah. board. Oh, completely on board. Completely on board. So, yeah. But also what else was in that mix as well is that it wasn't just that they're not good with change. It's that both the dog and the husband, they have a lot of unwanted thoughts. You know, when those really yeah. busy minds where the thoughts are just wearing you down. So when they have to go through change, because it's a challenge for them, it sets off that rumination in the mind, um, which is exhausting. So the dog pinpointed that as well for both of them. And yeah, (laughs) that's just like, okay, (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll have a drip, you know. (laughs) That's so fantastic that the dog really zeroed in on that. So what is another example? These are so interesting to me of how a human was helped. Yeah. Um, so a, another big kind of interesting case that I'm working on at the moment with this beautiful, beautiful woman is 
I've been working on her dogs for a while. She's got quite a few dogs, about eight little dogs, and they're her life. And so they've had different ailments going on, this, that, and the other. But whilst I was treating one of her dogs, when the day she came up here, the dog was hadn't eaten for a few days, so we had to help her get her appetite back. She turns around to me and she said, oh, I've just come from the hospital. I said, you're in the hospital. I said, what, what happened? She, she goes, I've just been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And she said, I've got awful pains in my joints and swelling and pains in my hands. And she is a, a dance teacher. So she had seen my work with the dogs, you know, come to fruition. And she said to me, you know, is there anything you think you can do for me? And I said, okay. I said, well, you go home now. I said, and you pick one of your dogs that you think would be the right dog to tell me how to heal you. And so she does, she goes home and she selected her dog. She she goes, it's this one. I said, okay, send me a photo of you and the dog hugging together, looking into the camera and I'll work from that. And I know that Dr. Edward Back, when he was alive in the 1800s, had amazing results reversing conditions like this seriously ill people. And it depends where you get the back essences from. They're not all of the same integrity these days. You have to get ones that are made by someone because he's obviously not here anymore. So you have to get really good ones. So I knew I have good ones. And I just said to the doggy, I said, okay. I said, do you want to do this? Do you want to help me help your mom? And the dog said, I know, I know what we need to do. So the energy of rheumatoid, <laughs> the energy of rheumatoid arthritis is when you have trouble with your parents usually, and it's just kind of just a tumultuous kind of a relationship, right? A lot of challenges there in whatever way that looks. And it's also, it's a real classical picture for me, rheumatoid arthritis. It's usually the type of person that gives too much. Okay. They, they overgive. Yeah. Right, and they drain themselves. And so the doggy starts to prescribe drops to reverse that kind of mindset in order to help her understand that she's over giving and she's stressing herself out. So we put her on the drops. Now, the doctors in the hospital, they wanted to put her on a rheumatoid arthritis drug, Humira, which is a very expensive drug. I actually used to sell that drug in pharmaceuticals, so I know it well. It's 10 grand a year per patient in the UK. It's probably a lot more in the US. And it's a very serious drug because it switches off your immune function. Mm -hmm. So I said to her, I said, look, you know, if that's your only option, I said, let's try the natural route. Now, she's a very early diagnosed RA. OK, so that makes a difference. But within a month, her symptoms had reduced so much. She'd gone back to work as a dance teacher. She had lumps in her body that had reduced down. The swelling in her feet had reduced down. And we were on a good stead. But then it kind of came back a little bit. Not, not as bad, but a little bit. And I said to her, what's going on? They said, are your family stressing you out? She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she had this she had this list. I said, okay, well, that's okay. You're aware of it, you know? So we're still treating her. The dog is still working with her. And it, it's going to be a bit of a journey because it's a pattern that she has, that she overgives. Yeah. So it'll, it'll take her a while to reverse it. But we've, you know, we'll keep chipping away. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is good to bring awareness at such an early stage of a diagnosis. Yeah. And also just knowing that her family is contributing can maybe help her maybe not get away from her family altogether, but at least put more boundaries around it. Exactly. Yeah. However, that takes shape over time, you know. 
Yeah. Wow. I wonder how many people could come to you before they hop on methotrexate or Humira or any other harsh yeah. drug that has so many uh, side effects. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah, it's a personal choice, isn't it? And uh, for me, if I can get to work on a person or an animal before they go the pharmaceutical route, it gives the natural botanicals a, more of a fighting chance. You know, because it's quite hard when people have been on pharmaceuticals long term to turn a condition around. Not impossible, but it's it's more of a slog for the body. Well, that's another fascinating story. So do you have maybe one more? I could listen to these stories all day, but I know you have limited time here. So do you have another story that you could tell Uh, about maybe something that's very common? You know, like rheumatoid arthritis is common, unfortunately. Is there another one that's common? How about someone with anxiety or depression? Yeah, well, there's there's one lady that I was working on recently who had recently lost her dog and she was suffering from depression, grief, just that real, real rawness. And there's so much grief going around in our society at the moment after what we've all been through, so many broken dreams broken relationships over the past few years that I think this is another, you know, this is really a huge picture to address. Yeah. Um, But when you're dealing with somebody, I suppose, in that raw, raw grief, like the dog had passed away literally three days ago. So the shock. And she initially wanted me to communicate with the dog. I get this a lot. People want me to communicate with the dog in spirit after they've passed. And I used to do that, you know, earlier in my career, but I stopped doing it because I realized that the animal soul needs to take flight. And really what needs to happen is grief support for the person. If in six months time, they still want me to communicate with the animal in spirit, when things have settled down, I will do it. But I just, that's the way I like to work. People all do it differently. And so what I did was I got a picture of the woman with the dog And the dog was in spirit at this point, but I did just a simple dousing. So I'm not having a conversation with the doggy. I'm just letting the doggy move the pendulum. And the doggy showed me what essences she needed. And then the doggy selected a separate set of essence for her partner. So for the two of them, two ladies. So uh, they were both really, really into it, which is great. And I gave them the drops. And about a month later, they got back onto me. And they just said that the drops just pulled them back from the abyss. You know, they really, really just helped them just move through that process in a much healthier way in in divine time. And they just felt like they could just find land again from being in such a deep sea of grief. And then what we did was they decided to go in again. They said, we want another set of drops. And yes, of course, they're still missing their doggy. They're still grieving their doggy. But it just meant that they could grieve in their own way. They both had individual ways of grieving, but they could, you know, move through it. Because one of the things I see a huge amount of in my work is frozen grief. Grief is a very powerful emotion. And in both ways, it's a powerful healer, but it can also be quite toxic if it's not dealt with properly. And I see it in the people and the animals. Frozen grief turns to anger and anger feeds cancer cells. Okay, so we're kind of going back to the story we started with. Mm -hmm. And 
So it's really, really important to recognize your grief and move through it. And grief comes in the job you didn't get, the relationship that never happened, the baby you never had, you know. So it comes in not just the obvious griefs in life, but it's the smaller, more silent griefs that we carry and we don't necessarily feel that we can share it with people. So I get a lot of people breaking down on the phone to me, you know, or breaking down in person because the animal just touches a point and opens up that grief door. And then it's just like, don't worry, we're going to help you with this. That's fantastic. So is there anything you would say to people out there if they have a pet? How would you most want to help them overall? I would say if help the people or, or the animals or both. Let's say the people. I mean, okay. you definitely help the animals and the animals are receptive to it always, it seems, yeah. right? Yeah. But how would you most want to or be able to help people? So for me, I would love people to remember what gives them the greatest joy in life. Okay. What are the things that they love to do that they're not doing enough? When you ask yourself that question, if you're an animal person and you've got animals in your life, the default answer almost always is, oh, geez, I wish I just gave proper time to spend my dog, you know, proper time to go out with my horse, proper time, even if you don't have an animal, proper time to go out in nature. So if people have a dog or people have a horse or a cat and they, you know, they feel they don't spend enough time with them, or if there's no animal in their life, it's about being out in nature and being around all the wild animals. And the reason I suggest this for all people, it sounds kind of cliche. It's just like be in the moment. It's like, no, be in the animal nation because the animals are in the moment and they pull us into the moment by their beautiful, heartfelt presence and their unconditional love. Like anyone who's into horses knows that you go down to the yard and suddenly five hours have gone and you're like, what have I been doing? Because the horses have just pulled you into something that I call equine time, that heart centered space. And what happens then is when we're in that animal space, if the animals start to act out around us, if we're having a stressful time, the cat might be a bit antsy with us or the dog might be acting up or the horse just is really jumpy that day. So you start to recognize them as your healing barometer. You see them as their mirror back to you where you are at day by day. All right. So that's what I would say to people is just allow that into your life. And then you not only start to become more present to your animal and more present to any shifts and changes that happen in them, but you start to become more present to any subtle shifts and changes that happen within yourself and you start to mind yourself more. That is a fantastic piece of advice. Pulling yourself back into the moment, but through nature or your animals. Yeah. Because they're always in the moment. That's Uh, such great advice. So where can people find you if they want to either, you know, work with you to heal themselves or see what's going on with their animals? Yeah, I'd love people to connect with me. You can find me on my website. It's animalhealing.ie. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram, Animal Healing Lisa Tully. And people are welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to heal them, heal their animals. Or if people want to study with me, we run courses on this kind of stuff. And I also have a membership program. If you want to meditate with the animals each month with me, we can do that too. So it's all available to everybody. All my work, it works globally. Everything I do 
And so it doesn't matter what country you're in, you can access me in all these different ways. So the main way to find all your services and work with you is through your website. Yeah, animalhealing.ie. Yeah. Perfect. This has been such an enjoyable conversation. I'm just so fascinated by the power of animals, just all that they can do for us, as well as teach us along the way. So thank you for opening this door to something I had never heard of before, but that I find fascinating. (laughs) Thank you, Marla. I really appreciate you inviting me and I appreciate everybody that's listening as well. Thank you. Be sure and follow Open-Minded Healing so you'll get every new episode as soon as it's released each Tuesday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.